welcome back to another episode of the Millie Walk Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Armani, and this is a podcast created by Christian Millennial for Christian Millennials to bring about guidance, healing, and purpose through authentic and transparent conversations. The goal here is to one, make and keep Jesus cool, and to two, give millennials a platform to help us navigate through life following Jesus in a world where Jesus isn't always cool. So we're back for another episode this week four. Um, I'm here with two of my good friends, and this is going to be a really interesting conversation. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and we're going to get right into it. Who's going first? Erin. Well, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Yeah. Okay. My name is Treasure Corbin. Um, I am 25 years old. I do attend Destiny Church located in Columbia, Maryland. Um, so one fun fact about me is that I am starting an outreach program called Trey's Outreach and also have a, um, live podcast called Ashtray Speaks. So tune into it at Ashtray Speaks at Treasure T-R-E-Z-U five R's on Instagram. Check me out. <laughs> you can follow her, y'all. Very interesting conversation. Really just good dialogue. <laughs> just jump in there. That's actually perfect. So my name is Aaron Hawkins. Uh, I am 23 years old. A fun fact about me. Um, hmm. I've known uh, Treasure and Armani for the upwards of 10, 10 years, close to 10 years. Um, right. We all work with Six Flags together, but um, I go to the Zion Church under the leadership of the Pastor Keith Battle. And yeah, this is my... Ooh third time on Millie Walk Talk. So she need to go ahead and start cutting some checks because I need Ring. to be uh, an extra. At this point, he's a regular. <laughs> he's, at this point, he's a regular. But yeah, y'all. So if you cannot already tell by the title, today we're going to get into the topic of Black Lives Matter, police brutality, everything that's just going on in the world. We just want to um, touch that from a, from a, a Christian standpoint, how it is to be a Christian millennial living in a world with so much chaos and so much turmoil that is um, headed toward a positive right, but just how would it, we just, we're just going to sit here and talk about how we feel and everything that just like going through life as a Christian millennial in this, in this time. So we're going to jump right into our Millie moments. And if you do not already know, a Millie moment is just a moment that being obedient to the Holy Spirit and God calls you to go against the grain and do something that either you wouldn't normally do or that doesn't really look normal for our peers. Ahead and go. Um, I, I definitely was thinking about this before uh, the episode started, but um, so I had a moment where I was having a conversation uh, with someone this week, and I was like, I reminded myself of like the fact that like I've never uh, being fully transparent, I've never like smoked weed before, and I was being very transparent and having that conversation. And I think in having that conversation, um, I kind of was like, man. Like, I've never done it, but I feel like I should try it. And then, like, having the conversation with them continue, like, continuing the conversation, I kind of got to a point where it was like, but wait, like, I haven't done it this far. It doesn't even make sense. And then, like, all of my friends kind of look at me as, like, they wouldn't even let me do it because, like, they whole like, like, Aaron, you don't even look right doing that kind of stuff. Like, you, first of all, like, like, I we talked about this before i'm like the christian friend so like they like nah you don't even get to do stuff like that so then i was kind of like well i guess like if i was going to do it i kind of missed my moment and i guess like there's a reason why i haven't done stuff like that so I more, so, more so because like you know walking with god and everything yeah. 
Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. All right, so I remember mine. So um, a lot of my listeners know that I am in Queen Esther, and really by the time you guys ask this, I will be Queen Esther alum. Like pretty much, I'll be finished with Queen Esther. And uh, I told y'all in a previous episode, session three has been a complete, absolute struggle for me. I will say that there's never been a point in time that I was like, I'm going to quit Queen Esther. At this point, like I'm in session three, I've been doing, like I've committed myself to this for a year. I'm going to finish. But literally like week four of session three, and if y'all know, Queen Esther's, we, we have three sessions, but it's a 15 week session. So like week four, I still like got the whole session to go and I was tapped out. Like literally wasn't doing any of my assignments. Like I was just tapped out. And I don't know, like I really just had to pray that like God would just pull the daggone motivation from somewhere for me to finish it. And yeah, so now we're at the end of the session. Our last class is literally on Thursday and I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm so happy. Such a great experience, but I'm I'm happy it's over. <laughs> so my Millie moment, if, if that got lost in translation, my Millie moment is really pushing past the unmotivation, pushing past not wanting to do the work, not wanting to, not y'all, we have a lot of assignments for Queen Esther, not wanting to do any of the assignments, not even not wanting to do them, not doing them. And then finally, like, getting myself back in check and sitting down and doing all my work and really... Ending the, our last class, shout out to my sisters, y'all are listening to this, our last class was absolutely amazing, and um, God really had to check me sitting on class, because I was just like, dang, like, three weeks ago, I really did not want to be, I was ready to be like, all right, deuces, and um, I'm going to miss it, but yeah, so, Millie moment. All right, Trey. All right, so, um, my Millie moment, so um, I made a decision, um, you know, not too long ago to actually remain celibate until, you know, I get married, uh, meet my husband, the love of my life. Um, I think that um, it has been a great journey for me because since uh, I became celibate, I've seen life change. And and when I mean celibacy, I mean in every aspect. Like, um, so, you know, I, I feel myself getting closer to God. Like, I have time to focus on scriptures instead of focusing on all these other physical pleasures. So um, it's been very liberating and exciting for me. So yeah, that's my Millie moment. That was a really good one. Congrats. Congrats. People used to like laugh when I say congrats when people say this. No. Celibacy is hard, but it's so like the, the, the feeling that you get being celibate is like, I mean, and I don't know, I guess it's been so long since I had sex that I really don't even know. Like, <laughs> Like you can't take it away from me. Yeah, I can't even like mm-hmm. this. It's rewarding. Like it's hard, but it's rewarding. That was a good move. Okay. So yeah. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the conversation. If you do not already know, this conversation is going to be centered around Black Lives Matter, police brutality, and everything that's really going on in the world. Um, again, we're going to give our perspective and how we feel about everything, just being Christian millennials and really still trying to be. Um, voice our opinions but still make sure that we are walking in the the path that God has chosen for us and we're still taking up the ways of the kingdom while expressing our um opinions and protesting and everything of the sort so question number one how did you feel pre-2020 police brutality like before everything broke out in the most recent times Trey so um pre-2020 um 
how I felt, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Black Lives Matter, right? The BLM movement pre-2020, I, I have to admit, and for anyone that knows me, this is going to sound really crazy because I've never actually said this out loud before, but I was very disappointed with the Black Lives Matter movement because of the inconsistencies with it. Like we would go protest two weeks and then you really wouldn't hear much more about it, like whatsoever. So, um, you know, pre, pre-2020, I, I was not, you know, as proud of the movement. Now, 2020 per se, listen, I am so ecstatic with the movement. Like, um, I'm really excited to see everything that's going on. Um, now 2020, I am super excited and I'm so proud um, of the movement. Like we we see exactly what we need and that's to not let up, right? Um, so I, I'm really excited to see that. I'm really excited to see us coming together, taking care of each other. I think that's something that I feel like I haven't seen since the 60s. You know what I'm saying? Our, our uh, ancestors, our families and stuff that protested back in the 60s, they used to protest and make change and we didn't see that pre-2020 and now we are seeing that because we're being consistent with it. Um, now when it comes to police brutality, um, I think it is a systematic issue. Um, actually before I say that, it is a heart issue that's going on. This isn't like a police versus black person issue. This isn't a white person black person issue. This is literally a heart issue. Um, and I think that's the part that everybody's missing. But ultimately, it is a systematic issue. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna just leave it right there for now. Agreed. 100%. Go ahead, Aaron. I know you want to. Okay. Uh, I think I think I kind of share some of the same sentiments as Treasure. Uh, I think pre-2020, um, it, it, yeah, it's kind of disappointing, and I don't think I took it as seriously, uh, more so because it, it felt like a cute hashtag more than it did an actual something that's like we're fighting for something. Um, I think now, at this point, um, I'll just be candid and say people are tired. People have had enough, and, like, we really want to see real change. Uh, so I think, I think because I know how our social media culture is, um, I'm skeptically optimistic because, um, you know, it's, we're, we're roughly, uh, I say three weeks in from George Floyd's death. So I, I'm skeptically optimistic about, um, the change that we'll see moving forward. I definitely like copy both of you all sentiments. I'll say, and I, I wouldn't say that I've mentioned this on a previous episode, maybe not, I record so much, I don't remember at this point, but I would say pre-2020, I'm not a I'm not a protesty type of person. Like I am a really my close friends notice about me. I I'm a very critical thinker. So when it comes to putting myself in a line of fire, at the end of the day, like I probably wouldn't do this if I didn't have a child. But I have a child to think about. Like I can't go, and let's just say like in some cities protesting did go wrong, and it's like I have like I have to make it back home. And I'm all for the people, and I'm all for the movement. But and I really hope that this, this doesn't sound the right way, but my life and me coming back home to my child is more important than me protesting. So pre 2020, you I can get a little I, you can you know get a little repost out of me. I donate my money, sure. But protesting, it was dead for me. Like it was really dead for me. And uh, like so, fast forward to now, like I don't 
I definitely think that my mindset is a little bit differently, but I'm still super cautious. So it was always like, all right, like, I'm going to tread very lightly in this. Like, but I do think that this new movement has been so much different than what we've seen before. Like, the consistency, I've honestly, like, and when we have this conversation with other people, I'm just like, it's honestly so liberating to see so many people, like, be consistent with it. Like, what is this, like, the... 20 something day of protesting now like just to and I think that that's the issue that Americans have in general like with anything we don't know how to be consistent and in order to change stuff you have to be consistent like even if when we take it to a a spiritual sense like God wants to see us be consistent in, in everything like it's not like you can pick up your Bible one day not touch your Bible for the next three weeks and think that everything is still going to be where it where it is like consistency is is the key to life so I do, like, I'm really excited to see that it's, it's, people are actually, like, they're really, like, consistent with what they're trying to do. So we're going to jump from that to how has the current climate, like, made you feel, like, on a, on a real note? Like, how has it affected, or if it has affected your mental or your physical, whatever you want to touch on? Who's going first? <laughs> um, I guess I'll take this one first. Before I even start, I will be tense. But um, rest in peace to George Floyd, uh, rest in peace to Breonna Taylor and every other person who has lost their life to uh, police brutality. I feel like that's important to say. Continue to say their names, uh, continue to go out there and protest, continue to make real change. Um, but I, I feel like for me, um, the, the state of this country, it just, it's, it's truly mentally draining and it's truly like taking a lot out of me. Like, um, I've noticed that like my anxiety is like way worse than it's ever been. Um, I'm like, I mean, we can't really go outside. And then it's, I've heard on the news, like we're battling two pandemics. Like we're still in the middle of coronavirus. So like, I'm even more afraid to go outside now, one from the virus and then two, if I'm driving somewhere, if I see police lights, I immediately, if I'm not getting scared for myself, I'm getting scared for the person who's getting stopped. Like, Lord, I just pray they make it home to their families too. And so, um, Unfortunately, like it, it's the, I mean, my thoughts on it are like being black just kind of comes with the target on your back in this country. And that like, that that's the worst possible feeling. So, yeah. So, this, it's been hard. I, I, I have to admit, like, um, you know, when the whole video, and I'm not sure y'all saw the video, but when the whole video came out with George Floyd, originally, my roommate tried to show me and I'm like, look, I can't do this right now. Like, I actually think we had, uh, yeah, Ashley was doing something for Ashtray Speaks and I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this. I, I can't do this. So it was probably like 1.30 a.m. and I finally said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling to watch this right now. I'm feeling to watch this. And Y'all, when I said, like, I literally sat there and watched this man die, and I'm in tears, literally, just just hurt, because we, we ultimately just saw someone get executed, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's legit, that legit happened. Um, and then just the, the, um, the sense of urgency, the lack of sense of urgency with, like, the 
um, first responders that came and got him and just threw him on the the stretcher or whatever. And it it was just horrible. Everything was just horrible about the situation. The fact that Breonna Taylor's murderers, because that's what they are, murderers are not in jail is crazy to me. Like it, it, it's truly crazy to me to the point where I, I, I'm, I'm very like Aaron, where it's just mentally draining. Like you don't want to see anyone do that, no matter what you are—black, white, green, orange, purple. You don't, you, you don't. Ca- I don't care, but you don't want to ever see anyone be killed or murdered, and it's always happening to our people. So it's always happening to our people and it's just very hurtful. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, but literally the time and the type of murder that's occurring, right? Like, um, I don't know if y'all watch uh, 13 on Netflix. Like if if you have any time to watch it, I definitely recommend it. Um, But it literally just shows you how systematically we have moved from a lynching to be acceptable to literally them slave catchers and everything, becoming a police officer. It all the only thing that changed on that badge is slave catcher to police. Like that's that's the difference. And it, it really is draining. Um, it's hurtful. And I, I really don't know what else to say. Um, but it's a heart issue that's going on in our country right now, in this world right now. We see protests happening in the UK and everywhere. Um, it's a heart issue and it, it hurts at that yeah. Definitely. It's it's definitely like and I, I'm telling y'all, me, I'm not a I, before 2020, not a super activisty person. Like, will I repost something? Yes. And I, I might have took this out. I've always a lot of my people followers know I've always been really connected in the spirit. So before it was in I can honestly admit that it was really hard for me to accept accept the whole Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. And that didn't really become real to me until this year, if I'm being 100% honest, because me as a Christian, I'm like, at the end of the day, like, I understand that we are, like, Black lives are being killed, but Jesus died for everybody. So I wasn't like, I'm not about to go running around yelling all lives matter. Like, I understood the Black Lives Matter, like, meaning behind it, but it was still like, I get that, but me, and I'm also a very person that I I 100% believe that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So sometimes we can, we're, we're unconsciously excluding things or like speaking things that we don't really realize have a, a higher meaning to it. So pre-2020, like you, you probably would never really see me on the active VC type of thing. And so fast forward, here we are, like the, when George, and it was low key, I really think that, I mean, I know that Jesus has a purpose for everything, but his timing is so perfect, even when we don't understand it. When George Floyd's video came out, I was on a social media fast, so I didn't, I barely even knew anything about, and I don't, I'm not a news person either. I'm also, I, I have a really hard time soaking in negativity. I'm, a, I'm an extreme empath. So everything really takes its toll on me. So I'm very critical of what I allow in my space and in my head. So I don't watch the news really at all. And I was fasting from social media when the video came out, but I actually, I used to work for um, a security company that I was a dispatcher for a security company that monitors a lot of neighborhoods and buildings and properties and stuff in DC. So it was like, we watched at work, the news is on 24 seven. Like they, they want us to be aware of what's going on in the, in the, in the city. And it just, I would go to work, put my earphones in. Cause I don't really care if y'all paying me or not. I don't want to listen to that. Like y'all not paying for me to get mental health, you know, 
for me to get my mental right. So I'm not going to listen to what I don't want to listen to. So I probably didn't even really know much about George Floyd's murder until maybe like four or five days after it was like after it had happened. And just, it woke me up a little bit because I was just like, okay, maybe I should pay a little bit of attention to the news. And I would say that initially, like coming from not knowing anything to like really trying to take everything at once, it was extremely draining on me. And my job like didn't really make it better. We could definitely jump into this conversation if y'all want, but my dad, like our, our direct management, they're white. Everybody else like on our team, on the team is black. And it was like, they were, like, we were forced to watch the news. We were forced to, like, and part of my job is, like, calling the police on people that um, aren't really following the the rules and regulations of the property. And in my head, I was like, I'm not calling the police on nobody. Like, write me up. Like, I'm sorry, but, and I think for me, it was the thing where they never really addressed, like, they never said, hey, like, we understand that you guys are black, we're white, but if you guys, you know, feel some sort of way, like, y'all need, y'all need to talk, whatever, we're here. For me, I, I couldn't call. I couldn't really grasp the concept that y'all wanted me to call the police on somebody, but y'all can't ask if I'm okay. And I think that that's really where I was just like, okay, like, I, and I've already addressed my managers on some like, I think y'all racist type stuff, and y'all need to fix it if y'all not really racist. And me and my managers didn't really like. We just never really clicked. So I just think that they racist. So I was over it. And I think the experiencing that in a personal like work setting, like this is a place that I have to come to. Like I don't really have a choice. That I think that's really what flipped my switch to be like, okay, like I have to do more. And I mean, of course I've been donating. Like I'm not a person, I, I don't really mind giving my money where like I, I have it, why not? Like I, I'm the person that will give $20 to a homeless man just because. So it wasn't, the donating thing wasn't big to me. It was just like, I, I spend money at Chick-fil-A all the time. So why can't I give money to this cause? Like, so the money thing, I just like, okay, this is not good enough. Me using my platform isn't powerful, but not good enough. So I always, this whole time, I'm just like, I, I have to do more. And against my better judgment, even though it turned out really well, I went protesting and it was life-changing. Like, it was life-changing. So it was just, I think now, I, I still wouldn't say I'm like, I'm Rosa Parks. Like, I, I couldn't give y'all no full Rosa Parks, but I'm, you know, I'm in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm stepping in there. I'm stepping in. I've been going to protest and trying to like be active and actually like stand out. So next question. And this is going to, I don't, let's see how this goes, but I'll, I'll say specifically, cause Aaron, you said like you get nervous. Um, like when you either get pulled over or like when you see someone getting pulled over and I'll say before, before all the like pre 2020, like BLM stuff, do I get nervous? Yeah. But it was like me more of a nervousness from not wanting to get a ticket and not really a nervousness from like scared that something was going to happen. And I think that my, a part of the reason that I really wanted to have this conversation is because I have a lot of um, friends that are police officers and it was just a really hard conversation for me to have with other people and me, for me to have with them. And I just wanted, wanted me and one of our friends were talking, like, I think that as black people in PG County, our experience for, with police brutality isn't, it's really not what other people experience. Like what we see in, if you're listening to this and you're not from Maryland, we live, PG County is one of the, the, the richest black communities in the United States. So that that's a little pretext right there as well. But so we, I just feel like we don't really experience the things that happen in other states. I think that we have this blinder on a little bit and it's hard for us to see or really empathize or understand that it could be us 
in in those type of situations. So I, so the question is kind of um, how do you feel like growing up in PG County or living in PG County has either affect negatively or positively affected how you feel in around this situation? Go ahead. Um. So I'll go ahead and take it first. Um. So I I would respectfully it may not be as bad but from my little experience i've had multiple situations where i've been uh i could say that i've been racially profiled uh just and i could tell that's exactly like what's going on um but i i think like for me uh i wanted to like say this too i think like the the point in that is like the fear comes from pre-2020 for me it's i mean you got to realize like a lot of these cases that people are are dying by the masses a lot of them are black men a lot of them i am a black man so it's it i see myself in a lot of these young men like that very well could be me anybody that i know so like that um the fear comes from um and and i'll say this uh full you know again transparency i do understand that there are good cops and there are bad cops but it's a 50 50 chance that you're asking me to take with my life and that's i'm sorry i'm not willing to take that chance so it's almost like you're guilty until proven innocent i can't trust you because i don't this could go left real quick and i don't know and like i once you once you kind of come down and like the situation is eased okay we can have a conversation you know it's cool but yes i am extremely apprehensive when i see anybody in a blue uniform walking up with my car because i don't know what's about to happen so i mean that's just and that that is happening again multiple times it, and i know a lot of people personally like yes it, again it may not be as bad but it's also like still very prevalent in in this area 100 percent. so and i i definitely it was crazy because when i when god really placed actually doing an episode on this on my heart y'all were the people that he placed on my heart to do it with and you know Aaron you know we cool we me and Aaron literally done known each other since we was like 14 years old but you two like just I don't and I don't I really don't even have a reason why I feel like I put y'all on my heart but y'all were the two people that God put in my heart but I definitely knew when I had the idea that I wanted a guy to be on the episode because I I truly feel like like wow that isn't my experience I can't say that that's that's not anyone else's experience and just us being like you're a male I'm a female I do feel like our, our experiences are going to be totally different like so we we all know even like I don't really think that PG County is as bad as other places but in PG County you can get pulled over for the car that you drive like and I've I've seen it like me driving one of my uncle's cars like once they realize I'm a female they're like all right okay but I know that if that was a guy it would go a completely different way so I 100% I agree with you I just but that's that was the main reason why I didn't want to have this conversation with just girls or just guys because I I feel like our experiences are going to be different and we need to to understand both sides of the of the spectrum but Trey you want to go yeah, um, Eric, I do. I do agree with you um, that gender does play a role to some to some extent. Of course, I, I do. I, I can't agree with you anymore, actually. Um, but you know, I've, I I agree with Armani a little bit too. It's kind of like I'm on the fence with both of you because I've experienced you know, the good and the negative, right? Like I come from a family where my mom worked for a metropolitan, uh, metropolitan police, MPD, DC police, and uh, my dad was a firefighter, right? So I, I came from a household of service workers, right? 
and then I have a cousin that's a detective in MPD. So I got the um, the talks young about what to do when you encounter a police officer. Also, I grew up in Austin Hill, Glassman area. If you know anything about Glassman, you know, it's not the, you know, best area, I guess. But it's my city. That's why I'm from and I love it. Um, but, you know, you do experience police officers a lot in that area, living in that area. Um, but you do see the good cops that actually comes out to talk to you and actually tries to make that difference. And to be fair, all of them were black that I had those encounters with, right? Um, so, um, and just like Armani, like I do have a lot of friends that are police officers. So I do see that in Prince George's County, it is a little different, but I, I have experienced, you know, those times where, you know, I've encountered an officer and it wasn't that great, you know, like it wasn't that great of experience. Specifically when I, you know, uh, I went to Morgan State University, so I encountered Baltimore police, right? And, um, you know, it, I was baffled. I don't know what other word to use that I didn't have control over the situation because I hadn't, in, I hadn't had that experience with police officers before that negative experience. Don't get me wrong. I knew about the negative experience. I did absolutely everything my mother and my cousin told me to do when I encountering the police and it still didn't work. So I didn't understand. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's very challenging to, you know, it, it's, it's really a battle for me to be okay with police officers and not be okay with police officers at the same time because they're and Aaron I, I know you just said that but there are good cops but I'm kind of with you you know there is that 50 50 chance that we have and you know we don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be so like for me whenever I get pulled over I'm very like Armani where it's just like yeah I ain't going I I just not trying to get this ticket you know what I'm saying but I do pray for my safety as well because at the end of the day I'm not armed you know what I'm saying nor do I ever want to harm anyone whatsoever even if I had the opportunity to do so I don't even want to do that so just being put in that situation is you know quite frightening um so I, I do pray anytime that happens and you know it it, it can be very I guess for lack of better words, just scary to be in those situations. And even like when, whenever I do get pulled over, look, like the first thing I do, and I've done this pre-2020, pre-2015, pre-Freddy pre-all that pulled over by a police officer. Now, one thing I can say, going back to the whole gender role, personally, I know how to code switch. And, you know, that's actually funny that, you know, us as Black people, we have to learn how to code switch, but code switching does change that interaction, that encounter that you have. So, um, yeah. Um, and so I, I just realized something. So Armani, I may have to take back what I just said, because I think there's a difference. Um, I think the rest of the country is seeing police brutality Whereas though we in PG County may see a lot of harassment because I may not have seen brutality. Like I've never been like thrown on the ground, but I've been uh, uh, patted down twice in patted down twice in the same stop because they smell weed in my area. But I like they searched my whole car and found nothing and then kept asking me very like 
uh, probing questions like, uh, are you sure you didn't do any, like, but I'd have no cause of like, if you're telling me you're stopping me for my, my stoplight, then how do we get to, again, I'm patted down twice and uh, you sure you've never committed a crime? Like, why are you asking me that? You have my license. You can, you can look at my record. There's nothing on there. So um, I think that might be the difference. And so, yeah. I definitely, uh, I agree with that, Aaron. I, I think that profiling, even out outside of like the police and law enforcement um, scope is, is, is a serious problem that we have in the country. You, we can, you can go into a store, and I'm sure we've all experienced this just as Black people. You can walk in a daggone store, you see the associate following you, and it's just like, girl, I'm not, just because I'm Black, that doesn't mean I steal. Like, well, just because I'm young, that doesn't mean I steal. So I, I 100% agree that profiling is a, is a really, really serious issue that we have in this country, in the world, that it's, it's going to take a lot to, like, fix. But what Trey keeps really, like, emphasizing is the country, the world, people have a heart issue. Like, like above all else, this is all a heart issue. And for me, like, sometimes in a religious aspect, it's hard for me to disassociate um, a heart issue with systematic racism because it's just like, I don't understand, like, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to understand that. I don't think it's something that I meant to understand, but I just don't understand how you can be racist and say that you're a Christian. Like, I don't get it. And while everybody has their preferences and da 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 and all these other little really unnecessary things, I just that does not make sense to me. I can't wrap my, my mind around it. So I think that that's kind of why I have a hard time, like, how, like, how do you, and I'm, but I'm also a person that, I, I don't like when people say that they don't like people. Like, I just don't understand how you can be a Christian and say that you don't like people. It doesn't work like that. Like, so it's mm, very, very tough, but I think that the heart issue is, is, is serious. And I guess my, my next question is, what do you guys feel like is the change there? Because I feel like at the end of the day, we can defund the police, we can vote other people in, but as long as there are still, there's still a heart issue, we're still going to have this country. Like, we're still going to have this issue because really, if we take it back to Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman wasn't a police officer. He was a regular person walking on the street just like him. And the issue wasn't that he had a bad gun. The issue was that he has a heart issue. So I guess my question is like, what do you guys think, and whether it's realistic or unrealistic, spiritual or unspiritual, what do you think could be a fix for, or like something that'll help us lead us in the right direction towards fix, fixing people's hearts or like starting to see change in that area? Um, I'm going to talk uh, liberally <laughs> and then I'll move into spiritually. So um, I do think the biggest start we did was definitely protest. Protest is the first step, right? Awareness is the first step that we need to do. Hey, this is the issue. Bring awareness to it. I think we have done an amazing job with bringing awareness to the point where people are recognizing Juneteenth. Y'all, listen, Juneteenth has been my favorite holiday for the last probably like four years or so. Like it, it literally became my favorite holiday once I realized what it was, right? So just bringing awareness to it, right? There's an issue, there's a systematic issue, bring awareness, great. Protesters have done that. All right, now let's protest to the polls, right? Let's actually go and get people to register to vote, right? And then the third thing is actually go vote. Actually get up, go vote. 
get into these offices, right? Like if I have a problem with it, let's get into this office and make a change. Like the biggest thing people say is like, listen, I don't trust these politicians and all these things. Well, you be that politician, right? You can do exactly what they are doing, right? Even if you don't want to be a politician, because it is corruption in there. I truly believe that. Be an activist, right? You can be an activist in different ways. Armani, I think your platform in general is a way of a form of activism, ultimately. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, activism looks like a lot of things. So um, I think that's the first thing or the next steps, I guess, that we need to take now when it comes to spiritually, we need to get our hearts in order, ultimately. Like, it's, it's, it's just, it don't make sense to me that people hate each other. Like, I literally, it, I can't hate people. Like, it just doesn't work for me. Like, I don't care what somebody does to me, I'm still gonna love them. That, and that is a God honest truth. Like, we really do need to get your, your heart in order, get your house in order. And ultimately, us as Christians, I feel like we need to recognize one, hey, there is an issue. And um, Pastor Chandler, um, he actually talked about this, uh, Destiny Church, he talked about this saying that, you know, we're better together. We are better together. There is, like Armani said, like, you can't, like it is hard being a Christian trying to say the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, whatever, right? You 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 love everybody, right? Well, you love everybody because we're better together, right? So let's start working together, figuring out how us as a church can impact the community. Let's actually get back out in the communities like it used to be. And I definitely think that you know as we are working together, praying every day together doing what we can in the community to bring people to the church and learn, you know, bring people to God in general, like it will make a difference. It definitely will make. I think, so I'll take it a different route. I think for me, um, it starts at home. Um, racial, racial tension and racial, I guess, inequality is not something that you're born with. Nobody is born a racist. If you ever look at two children play together, they will play with, whatever looks fun. So it don't matter if you black, white, blue, green, if, if you do what I'm doing and we having fun together, then we're gonna have fun together. But it's taught from generation to generation passed down these thoughts and these ideas that, um, um, that one is better than the other and you should not uh, subject yourself to what they do or who they are. And the, the issue with that is um, the reason why I feel like we can't come together as a people is because we were never, historically, we were never looked at as people. We were looked at as property. So uh, if you were taught that idea, um, then you'll, you'll look at me as like, how can I value your life? You, you're, you're not even a life, you're a piece of property. Like you're, you, don't, you don't matter in a sense. We understand like, look, you know what I'm saying? We want equality, we wanna be, but, and that's where it goes back to like a systematically thing. That's why we should get out and vote and everything. Um, it's still in the constitution that says that uh, a black a black body is only three fifths of a human. When a, when speaking very candidly, and my apologies, uh, I have to, I feel like I have these moments every time I come on here. Uh, the views of Aaron Hawkins are that of his own and not of Millie Walk Talk Pack podcast. Uh, but 
like a white person can't look at me and say like, oh, um, you know what I'm saying? He's equal to me. That, that scared, that, that, that's where the fear comes from. Like they want equality. Whoa, that does not work with our system. So, and the problem is the justice system, a lot of those people are who are running the justice system. So when they put in a foot, when they, when, uh, whatever his name is, I'm not even giving him no power. The guy that uh, killed George Floyd, uh, when he put his knee in his neck, it's because I don't even see him as a human. He doesn't deserve, he, he doesn't deserve anything because he's not even human. He's just a piece of property. Get this, get this, you know what I'm saying? Out of here. Like, and that's, and so I think when you start teaching uh, uh, the equality mindset, when you start teaching that, you know, they're people too. Like we, we got it wrong back then. We had the wrong idea back then you will see so much change. Like that's where you'll start seeing the heart change. Like, oh, we, we need to be more uh, accepting of our brother and our sister because they live on this planet with us, which uh, again, historically, we didn't even ask to be over here. We were taken from our land um, by uh, colonizers. I'll just use that as um, a safe term. By, our, by the colonizers, we were taken from our land like, truth be told i could be in africa right now chilling with my with my goals and crowns and all of that but like i'm like you know what i'm saying you put me in this position and then you get mad when you took me over here and then saying like oh get out that don't make sense so do you want me in or do you want me out like and, I and god doesn't work in confusion sorry and that that's the whole that's the whole premise god doesn't work in confusion so it goes back to what y'all was saying i don't see how you could be a christian and then say that you hate black, black people. It doesn't make sense that you're a racist and a Christian. It, it can't coexist because it exists in confusion and God don't work in confusion. Nah, Aaron, listen, you ain't doing nothing but speaking facts and I want to acknowledge that. And you actually brought up something as far as like, and I love your point because it is a very valid point as far as, you know, racism is a learned behavior, right? Like, you know, it, it's a learned behavior. Um, my dad, Happy Father's Day, your fathers, you know. Um, my dad, um, literally my best friend, but he told me a story um, about when he was in high school. Uh, he went to boarding school. Now, my dad went to boarding school in the 70s, so, you know, that wasn't normal for Black men back then. He, and he got a scholarship to go there, so, it, you know, it wasn't normal. So, um, you know, he had to room with a roommate who was actually, it had to be the 80s, I lied, it was the 80s. He had to room with a um, roommate and um, he was white and he literally was racist. Like racist, did not want to speak to my dad, did not want nothing to do with my dad, but they were teammates. They played on the same football team um, and a tennis team or something like that. And, you know, my dad literally told me like, do you know, he's a treasure, do you know that by the end of our season, he was literally my best friend. He became my best friend. And you know why? He literally said to him, the guy, he said to my dad, look, if my father was sitting right here right now and he sees me talking to you, communicating with you, drinking with you, hanging out with you, he will literally disown me. But I know now that that's not right. I know now that that's not right. And, you know, it, we are no different. And it shouldn't be like that. This the world should not be like this. And him and my dad are friends to this day. His father disowned him and he's okay with that. So that yeah. is so big, like so big. And 
it kind of jumps into the next question. So I'm glad that you, look at God just making this flow. So agree, like Aaron sentiments, you know, Aaron is one of my favorite people to have on the podcast, just such authentic and really just true good vibes. But I, I do, we know that racism is really a learned behavior. And while I agree with both of y'all, like we have to get people, we have to get our people, we have to get people that have good sound minds up in the White House. We got to get people that have good sound minds in Congress and in, and in the Capitol. Like we have to have, in police officers, like we need our people to be that. And I think that that's, not, not that that's an issue that they don't want to be, but I think that that's uh, an ideology that we have to break. Because it's rare that you see young black millennial males that want to want to be police officers or they want to be lobbyists. And my thing is always like, I think that the system has so now like really scare people into going into those positions or it's like there's such a negative connotation with being a police officer and people don't want to do that and it's like literally we have to be the change and it was crazy to to go back into the like the situation with your dad it was the conversation of this is a really popular thought now that they don't nobody wants to teach or tell white people how to to break that mindset. And I think that that is a very poor ideology for us to have because at the end of the day, just like racism was learned, they have to unlearn why it's wrong. Like, and you, you don't, realistically, if that is something, racism is embedded in these people's minds. So they, just like they don't see it's wrong, they don't really see the need for the people that are truly racist. They don't see the need or they don't have the, the desire to want to erase it. So you have to, force feed them like uh, and unfortunately it's just like if we want to see if we really want to see this change we can't say i'm not gonna tell them nothing like well that's why we're still here because people don't want to people don't want to be the person that's going to be like listen becky that shit was wrong you can't say that i don't know like and it's like we have as uncomfortable as it is we have to have these conversations with people we have to let people know that what they're doing to us is wrong we have to let people know that we're not going to stand for that because they're the cycle is just going to continue to repeat itself if we don't speak on it, if we don't like really truly vocalize it in where we are. Like it's, it's just my, my mom, one thing my mom used to say to me from a child that I will always suck to me is history repeats itself. And while I think that that is true, it's realistically, it's repeating itself because nobody is doing the necessary, taking the necessary steps to change it. Like we can't, it's insanity. I think it's insane for us to think that people that have been racist, racism runs in their blood that they're not they're going to wake up one day and not be racist anymore like i think that that's insane like we have to do our part in educating our white counterparts like it and it's it's sad that we have to teach them that but it's that's the world that we live in like we, we're not going to get anywhere by by these false hopes of like they should know they should know that racism is bad well obviously they don't because they're still doing it like we have to we just have to do that so how do y'all feel about teaching white people you know, new things or the racism is wrong. We're just voicing how y'all feel in the least bit. Go ahead. So uh, I think that's a fantastic idea. And uh, Armani, we will talk offline because I think we could get like a little, um, like a convention started and we could start, we could start, we could start this. I'm saying we could get some people behind this. This is a good idea right now. Uh, nah, but but seriously, I think that's, that's, um, that's definitely valid. And I think it even goes as deep as like, um, not full blown like uh, George Floyd situation level racism, but just like, uh, I think it's like, oh, um, 
well, you're black and you have dreads, uh, you must like rap music. I, we need this like, that. that is like, uh, uh, I guess you would call it like a hint of racism, but like, we need to stop it at like that level because like, um, like I guess I have a story too. Um, it just goes back to me and my girlfriend, we went to a park. We were just chilling, playing at the park. We're two big kids. Uh, so this little boy, and he's white, he runs up and like we're spinning on like the little thing and he gets on and he wants to like play with us. And so then he was like, hey, what's your guys' names? And so Aaron, Danielle. Um, and then like, he's like, and we were like, you know, being nice to the kid, like, oh, what's your name? I'm Jackson. Okay, Jackson, sure, come on, play with us. We don't care. Uh, but then the mom like immediately kind of like, like, hey, come, come over here, don't like play with them. And I don't know if it was cause like she was scared that we were like adults, but like we're completely harmless. Like we're, we're playing on the playground, like come on. And so she was just like, uh, you know, come over here and play with them. So I like kind of give Danielle a look like, yo, like that's racist. But like, if we, I think like checking them in like moments like that, being brave enough to like check, have a check in that moment. Like, look, we're harmless. We're, what harm could I do to you? I'm playing at a playground. I'm a grown man playing at a playground. What harm could I do to your son? Like, I'm here with my girlfriend. Come on. If the kid wants to play, let him play. Like, and then those are the kinds of things that like, will trigger once they get older. Like, oh, I remember my mom told me I can't play with people that look like that. Oh, I don't need to be around people like that. And it, like, they could tell it's a little, when my mom gets around people who are that color, I, I, I can notice she gets like a little, if we are able to start checking that at that level, then I feel like you could start like, essentially like breaking down, like sitting and having a conversation. I think I, I've always wanted to do this and it sounds so crazy. I want to sit in the room with like one of the like the most racist, like, like, like leader of the Ku Klux Klan type racist. Like I'm talking about like, I want to sit down with one of them and just like understand what is it that you think is so bad about me? I feel like I'm a great person. I just, I, you know, I'm pretty good. So like, what, what do you think is so bad about me? What is it that you hate about me? Cause I can't, I can't choose my skin color. I, I mean, I, this was just given to me. Thanks God. But like, you know what I'm saying? Why do you hate me so much? What, what, it, how did you get here? I'd like to know. So yeah, that's just my definitely. That's definitely. I, I, you said one of my favorite words like ever is bold. Like, and being a Christian requires us to be bold. And we like we can't be the mediocre people in the world. Like we can't be the silent people in the world. And when it comes, and this was for me like this was a battle because it was it was hard for me to to grasp it, grasp this. But it's just like. I, I had a hard time saying like, am I, when I died fighting for the Black Lives Matter cause? And that was a question that I've really like, to be honest, I still can't answer. And I've been in deep prayer about this because it's like, I would die for, for, for Jesus. I would die in a, in a sense of me spreading the gospel. So why can't I die for me spreading the, 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 the idea of racism is bad. And it takes, it really takes a level of courage and bravery to to know that like because that situation could you absolutely have said like look even in the least bit you could have just said hey man like you know we just wanted to play like he just he asked to play because we just wanted to be nice like we're not you know we're not going to do anything and that's all you had to say but that takes a level of, of bravery because that situation like you said could have went anyway like you wouldn't 
it, it just could have went so far left. But I think that as Black people and as Christians, we have to be able to take, we have to be okay, like, taking those, those iffy steps sometimes. Like, knowing that at the end of the day, God is going to cover us no matter where we go. We have to be okay with being uncomfortable and being in a situation that we don't really know the outcome. Because, I mean, in life, do we ever really know the outcome? Like, so it's just like, if, we, if we're willing to take that step in other situations, we have to be willing to take that step to, to, advance, to, to advance our people. Yeah, I am with both of you. Um, for the people that say, I don't have to explain anything to these white people or whatever. I, I, I'm going to call it what it is, it's pure ignorance. Like, I want, I want to say Aaron said it, like, how, how can you be upset with someone that doesn't understand what you're going through, right? They would never truly understand, but help them at least get an idea of it, right? Um, now, I actually just recently had a situation, um, my job, you know, my, you know, my leaders of my job, um, very high up leaders of my job, um, literally sat on the call with us and just listened to us. That's it. All white. Just want to throw that out there. All white. And just listen to us and try to understand how we feel about the situation, which was very hard because one, it's your job. So, you you know, you want to be mindful of what you say, right? But at the same time, you want to make sure you get your point across. And it was a situation where one of my coworkers, uh, she literally burst in tears. She's a white woman. She burst in tears and she said, I'm sorry. Like, she literally just said, I'm sorry. Listening to you all, I see you every day. You know, I hear about this stuff going on in the news and stuff, but like, you know, it, it doesn't resonate with her. You know, she doesn't understand that that's what she said. I don't understand, but I want to. And those are the people that, you know, we want, basically is want to help us, you know, make those changes, right? And like, it's just, we have to, as our community, once again, I'm talking liberally, then I'm talking spiritually. Liberally, we have to do that, right? Like we have to explain and actually show people what we're going through. Try to help them understand, like, come on on, right? But when the teacher actually showed you, you understood it, right? You understood what was going on. And, um, you know, we kind of need to do that. Let's go spiritually. Once again, I, I've been saying this the entire time, it's a heart issue. We, we need to dive into these folks' hearts. We need to actually explain the gospel to people. We've already, all of us, I think we all agree, we identify there's no way you could be racist and a Christian, it just don't work. So we need to help people understand those differences and make them realize, hey, with your, your definition of Christianity and you know, and you doing that racist stuff, it ain't it. So let me, let me help you uh, fix that heart real quick. Let, let me help you out. So that's kind of where I agree. And it's honestly been, I think that as Christians, this is our time to really retrain the world. Like there are so many people that, and I really want this to, to penetrate where it's supposed to, like how God has given this to me. Because at the end of the day, we have to be reminded that people, so if, let's take it outside of Christians. People that aren't Christians, that aren't in relationship with God, the Bible tells us they have blinders on. Like they don't see 
they can't recognize the difference between good and bad. And this, I mean, please don't take what I'm saying literally, but they, what we see and what we notice as God and what's not God, like how we can vividly understand and differentiate the two, that's one because we have, we're, we're in relationship with God. So again, this was another concept. This is, this, it was really hard for me to understand, but there are people that are truly living in darkness that we have to pray for their salvation. And I think that as believers, that's where it starts. Like there are people that are out here that are racist, you know, that call themselves Christians. But I truly believe that while they're, they may call themselves or identify with Christianity, they're not walking in Christianity because there's no way that you could, that you could be walking in aligning yourself with the ways of God and you, and you still have that heart issue. Like, do we fall short as Christians? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, nobody could tell me that a person that, that is acting in racist ways is truly aligned with the will of God and truly aligned with the word of God. And what God tells us is true because there's no way that God is convicting you or piercing your heart and you act like that. So I think that it starts with us really, as Christians, praying for the salvation of people and being that, y'all know my, my saying is really just be the light. Like I, we are really in a literal sense called to be the light of the world. And I think that this is a time that we, we have to, this is not a time to be silent. Like this is not a time to be scared and to want to like shrink back into our shells. Like this is our time as Christians to go out into the world and, and spread the love of Jesus. Like it's different when you can read about the love of Jesus, but when you feel that, like, have you ever just met somebody that you can tell, not that Jesus ain't really walking with, talking with, but maybe they just haven't accepted Jesus in their life. And you, once you go like, you know, just offer them a little bit of love. It's like, you know how people say it's hard for you to be mean to somebody that's being nice to you. I, I think that in a, in an aspect of love, that's, it, it's, it's synonymous. Like it's hard for somebody to hate you when you love them. And I think that in, in this world of nobody wants to be the bigger person. Everybody wants, they want, they want to reciprocate that same energy. And I don't think that's, I don't think this is the time to reciprocate energy. Like we can't, fight hate with hate. Like we have to fight hate with love. We have to fight fight hate with light. And we really have to be the light of the world. We have to pray for people's salvation. We have to meet them where they are. Like as hard as it may be, the mantle of Christianity is a hard mantle to follow. And we just have to, we have to like really pray for these people because they're, they're lost in darkness. They really don't, I don't want to say they don't understand, but they really don't understand it. Go ahead, go ahead. So I, I it's funny that you say that. And so just to bring it back to like a spiritual point, like I've, I I don't remember where I heard it from, but I've heard that like there are pastors out there that are basically saying like, we don't want to participate in the movement that's going on because nowhere in the Bible does it talk about uh, uh, social justice. And when I heard that, like I, w I got so confused because the entire story of Jesus is social justice in its purest form. That like the whole story of Jesus is coming to rescue people who are oppressed and people who don't have, who are uh, disenfranchised and don't have and are uh, less than. He came to save those people from the people who had power over them. So like, I, I think too, like as, as a church, like we also have to like be mindful of what we're teaching and like even in a sense, equip our like, equip our, uh, uh, our flocks with uh, the right right tools and materials to know like, Jesus wants social justice. The whole premise of Jesus is I'm gonna give you just like, and faith without works is dead. We can't just say like, oh, uh, well, we just gonna wait for God to fix it. Like, no, you gotta get off your butt and you gotta get out there. You gotta, you gotta be 
like you said, Armani, you got to be the light of the world. You got to make the change. You get, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's the call on our lives is to go out into the world and make disciples. And that making disciples don't just mean, oh, go save unsaved people. It means go, go fix the broken. Go, go heal the sick. Go, I gave you my spirit. Go do what it is I told, like what I did on earth, I, you have that same power to do it. So go do it. There's no reason why uh, there should be, uh, as a Christian brother, you sitting next to somebody, as a, a white Christian, you sitting next to somebody that's racist and you just letting them be white and racist. You need to check them. Because guess what? The Jesus that you serve or you say that you serve would have checked them. So you need to be the same voice. Like you, if Jesus' spirit really is in you, like you say it is, and so, like, I'm, I'm sorry, that, like, that made me so mad. Because I was like, what Jesus are you serving? Wait a minute. Like, so I think that, that, that too, as, as churches, we also, like, need to understand that, like, don't be afraid to be Christian and an activist. Because guess what? Jesus was the biggest activist. He was the best activist. So, like, you would be following in Jesus' footsteps to protest, to donate to cause, to uh bring about social change that's exactly what jesus wants you to do so i just want to it and it's honestly like to shout out all the churches that are actually taking because i do believe that in in history's past churches shy away from controversial um topics and i will say that i think that a lot of that is the church the church has a has a, has a responsibility that a lot of other organizations in the world don't have like at the end of the day the church is res i don't want to say responsible but we know that i mean ultimately the responsibility is on yourself but the church is responsible for for healing people's souls and and, and i think that that gets lost in a lot of other things so that I, I this is just my opinion like i'm not speaking for any church in particular but i think the churches historically have shied away from jumping into to very controversial topics just because of that reason like you don't you they never really want to mesh and mingle a whole bunch of different things that make people feel uncomfortable but i will say that I've seen a lot of churches like step out and either speak on the topic or they're 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 doing a lot to to bring awareness to to the issue and to really use their voice and to be what Jesus has called us to be in this time. So I definitely big shout out to that. Like I, I do think that and I also, like you said, I, I want people to keep in mind that all churches and all leaders aren't walking or living under the authority of God. Like that the Bible tells us about false prophets. So it's like, we have to know that some of these people that are racist, they might be going to a church of people that aren't truly practicing the, the Bible. Like, or they, they're not really truly practicing or they're, they're not convicted by the spirit. There, there are a lot of churches out here that, I mean, I, I'm not going to say nothing, but they are, there are a lot of churches and preachers out here that, that are like either out here to get money. They're, they're not, they're not really truly doing the work of the Lord. So we have to think that these people are being influenced by greater people. And it's, it's a really like hard, heavy thing to think about. Somebody that's supposed to be guiding you spiritually and really molding your soul is teaching you racism or feeding that into you. So we have to think that not, I'm not saying that the church is responsible, but these people, sometimes they, their pastors be racist too. So they, when they see, when they look at Jesus, they, I think that they, some people may have a false sense of who Jesus is or a false sense of what Christianity is because of who their leadership is. So I, I definitely think that that's, this is a good time for the church and people that are really teaching and preaching the word of God to, to stand out, to erase ignorance. Because at the end of the day, that's what needs to happen. Like we have to erase ignorance in all forms, whether it's spiritual, in a spiritual sense, 
in a like a racial sense, whatever, we have to erase ignorance and fill that back up with truth and fill that back up with facts. So it's just like we it's 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 a job for everybody. Like there's nobody in the world can say that there's nothing they can be doing. There's no church in the world that can say that there's nothing they can do to to contribute to the movement. So it's that's just tough. Armani, I do want to say something. Um, everything I, I agree with, except one thing, the church is responsible, right? Like the church is responsible for, like you say, bringing light to everyone. We actually, and I'm, I'm, I agree with you as far as being proud with the churches actually being um, so vocal and involved in this right now, but we have seen the church in the past actually make these changes. Like think of Martin Luther King pastor literally like with jews with other uh, uh priests and everything the church has always been involved when it comes to social injustice or just doing what's right because at the end of the day that's all it's about what doing what's right doing what you know god wanted us to do what jesus would do you know what i'm saying like that is all that is about so the church is responsible i do i do want to make that note and we we have to put it back on the church and you know as christians and you know it is our responsibility and our duty to make these changes that um, we want to see happen right so for what's right i i agree with you and when i say the church isn't responsible i mean like when it comes to salvation like is the church the church's job is to you know give people spiritual guidance but it doesn't stop there so i'm saying like you can the church can feed you but you have to pick up the mantle for yourself and feed yourself like you can't be saved by going to church so that's i agree with you but that's that's more of what i meant by the church isn't responsible but um next question how do y'all feel about because this is something that's real sticky for me how do y'all feel about white people saying they don't see coming <laughs> It, okay, go ahead, Aaron. You go first. <laughs> oh, what? Okay. So, um, so at my job, since everybody has spoken about the jobs, my job, my uh, direct management is black, and so um, we just had a meeting the other day, and it was um, you know, it it was right after George Floyd, and so I actually really respect what he did. Uh, we actually have an office that's majority black, and it's only one white woman that works there. And so in the meeting, she had a we had a moment of silence, and she um she's like she's on the right side. I I can tell she's already kind of like made it known like she this is a travesty. Like I I can't understand what's going on. But she said uh she said like you know I've I've never known color. I don't know color. And when she said that, like the in my insides like turned. Like I was like, ugh. And I wanted to say something, but I was like, I don't want to make the meeting about this. I'ma just let it go. Maybe I'll have a conversation with her later on. But like when I said cause to say you don't see color is to say that you don't see the problem. So like the whole the whole premise of like I don't see color. So if you don't see color, then like what are you colorblind? Like you can clearly see that your skin is white and my skin is black. I get what you're saying. It's coming from a good place, but it's not the correct sentence to, to, to give. Like, when you say, I don't see color, like, if that was the case, then there would be no racism. So then at that point, you're lying to yourself because uh, it is clearly because of the color of my skin that you say you don't see is why I'm getting treated the way I'm treated. And it's clearly the color of your skin that gives you a certain privilege in this country because of your skin color. So like, I, I don't, I get that she's saying like, oh, I like, I understand that the message is that 
you know, I've always loved everybody. I've never been like a racist. Well, then say that. Say I've never been a racist. Don't say I've never seen color because you, you, you're lying at that point. You have seen color. You just, you're not racist. Say that. Make that the statement. No, it's so interesting. Like, and, and Aaron, you dead on took my point. Like, if you don't see color, you don't see the issue at hand. Also, it, it also comes like when it comes to like your friend groups, right? Your friend groups and family. Like personally, I have white family, right? So if you want to say to me, you don't see color, that means you literally do not see me. All right. You do not see the struggles that I've been through. You do not see the struggles that my family has been through and what I face each and every day just because of how I look. Like we all said earlier, we didn't choose to be black. Don't get me wrong. I would not want to be anything else whatsoever, right? But I didn't choose to be black. And my skin isn't, it shouldn't be a target. It shouldn't be a weapon. So, you know, and that's, that's what we're looked at, right? So it's like, if you don't see color, you don't see any issue going on in this world. And you're the problem. Okay, you're those people. If you're the ones that you don't see color, you're more than likely the person that's silent during this time and aren't isn't saying anything about the situation that's going on. You don't want to choose sides, right? Because you don't see color, you don't see, really see it, right? But you choose to be silent, which means you're a part of the issue. Definitely agree. The the I don't see color thing really it literally grinds my gears. Like I. But just like Trey said, I feel like when people say that I don't see color, I think that it means that I, you know, you don't see me. And while I agree with Erin that sometimes that may not be their intention behind it, but it's like, we have to choose our words wisely. Like, out of all the things that you can say, that was the best thing that you came up with. Like, that is offensive in itself. And I just, I don't really have anything to say about it because I just don't like it. I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I feel like I don't know. Like I feel like as black people, I would just much rather you say like, "Hey, I'm not a racist." Like I don't, I don't hate <laughs> black people. I've always loved everybody. Like just say that, and I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. But like, yeah, that, yeah, that's that. that that's all I had to say. And y'all know it's really it's another interesting piece. Is it, it's so crazy of how much we are very mindful of what we say around white people, and it's like man they could say whatever and like it's just like you didn't even think twice that that could have been offensive like come on man like we always think like we're walking on eggshells 24 7 right so it's just like come on like you you gotta meet us somewhere it's crazy because when you say we walk on eggshells i 100 percent believe it like i said my my job actually initially pretty much all of my management team except for rgm was white but, you know, slowly management started to change and now pretty much all of the upper, man well, all of like our direct management is white. But at, back then, like when the, when we first started doing the change and y'all, I don't, I mean, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but I'm the first, I, I say nigga, like, and I don't really always mean it like black people. Like I really, when I say niggas, most of the time I mean like guys, but nigga is like a part of my vocabulary. I don't know if that's an unhealthy, unhealthy, ungodly trait, but it is like, maybe I'll change it. I need talk to your talk OG. Talk your talk OG. Yes. <laughs> need, I'm so happy you said that. Thank you. I need some conviction about it. But right now I ain't convicted. So I'm still gonna say nigga. But it was crazy because um y'all know, <laughs> y'all know, like in my office, in our old office, we worked in like one space. So we're we're dispatchers, but it was a very like open space. We all like worked in the same space. And before we was all black. So until we got a white person in there, I didn't feel the need to censor my niggerness. So it would be like, every time I would say nigga, my coworkers would be looking like, and I'm like, I don't 
it. Like, it, it was crazy because I just, I really don't understand our censorship. Like, I don't, and I'm tired of doing that. Like, if y'all can be openly racist, why can't I say what I want? Like, I shouldn't, and I just feel like if I'm black, I shouldn't have to say, I, why, why can't I say nigga? Like, and I'm not even using it in a derogatory way. Like, I just, that, I don't like the walking on eggshells thing. I'm gonna say what I want. I can't. <laughs> Your black is beautiful, my nigga. Your black is beautiful. I, I said that to somebody on duty. And when I tell you I felt so empowered, I am so happy you said that, Armani, because your black is beautiful. Listen. I'm screaming. Listen. I'm so happy you said that. Because, like, I be feeling bad. And then, like, so I told you, you only got, like, one white lady in the office. So then I, like, I was, like, talking to another black woman in the office. And I was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? This, like, we, we, we not, we not going to be oppressed by a colonizer colonizers like because her office is like right down the hall and i was like oh i don't know she's gonna hear me but then in a sense like well okay and then for people like that if you say you're not if you say you're on the right side do you understand why i'm saying what i'm saying don't ever let it come out your mouth but you know what i'm saying you you understand that you're on the right side so like at that point it's not a problem and so thank you armani for saying that i, no, I love sorry. you for saying that if you if you're listening to this and you feel like there's a problem with that saying nigga, DM me and we can have a conversation. But I'm not convicted by it at this moment, so I'm gonna keep saying it. But we're gonna jump to the last question. Eric <laughs> said something at the beginning of the episode. He said that like at this in 2020, being black comes with a target on your back. How do you and that stuck with me because I feel like it's a part of the call. Like and I feel like this, y'all know that the I don't know if you don't know, the verse that I found it the podcast on is second Peter two nine, but we are a chosen generation. And I truly believe that when God like thought of millennials, like he, he was, he was doing big things. Like, and I've had this conversation with other people, like history has repeated itself, but I feel like it was necessary. And I feel like we know that God's time is, is perfect. And I feel like God knew exactly what he was doing by making this revolution at this time during COVID-19 amongst with this generation of people, like, I really feel like this is the the first time that I could truly say I think that we're in, we're going in the right direction. Like change is going to come out of this, no matter who likes it, who doesn't like it. There's whether it's a little bit of change or massive change. God is really shaking things up in millennials in in this generation right now that couldn't happen 25 years ago. They couldn't happen 50 years ago. Like you know, not please don't think this is disrespectful, but Martin Luther King couldn't do this. Like and did he do a lot? Absolutely, but the call that is on millennials, I don't think that um, that another generation could do. I don't. The change that's going on right now, I just don't think that. I really believe that God called us here to this time to do this. And when you said that being black comes with a target on our back, I feel like it's it's a part of the call. But how does that how does that resonate with y'all? Because I feel like with with everything that God calls us to do, there's always going to be a target on your back, whether it's a a, a target in the spiritual sense or a target in the physical sense, there's a target that comes with everything that God calls us to do. So how do you, how do you um, associate that target with the change that has to happen for you specifically? So I want to say this, like, as far as being a, a millennial in this generation, you have to realize we have in, in our uh, 20 to 25 years of life, we have seen, I would venture to say more than anybody has ever seen in their life. We have seen the first black president. We have seen a, a, a worldwide pandemic. We have a, seen a, I would call it a resurgence in uh, brute force and, and 
uh, utter disgusting racism. Uh, we have seen uh, a worldwide, did I say worldwide pandemic already? Oh, we've seen so much. We've seen the burst of social media. Uh, we've seen a, an economic recession. Like we've seen so much in our lives. So like, I feel like as, as far as being the chosen generation, like we chosen, we, we, we are literally living in the days of history. Not to mention, just my thoughts, I feel like we're living in the last days as well. So I, I just feel like at that point, G, this is why we're seeing so much change because we're the generation that has seen so much. So at that point, we, would, we, we have so much information now that like, we're almost like taking the blinders off. Like we may be the generation to fix the world. We may be the generation to, to end racism. We may be the, the generation to uh, uh, break down long lasting generational curses. It could be us, but at that point, it just starts with taking the first step. I know I have a target on my back, but I think it goes back to what you were saying. Uh, what am I going to use that target for? Who's shooting their arrows or who's shooting at me at that point? Like, because the target could be uh, a positive target. It doesn't always necessarily have to be um, negative targets. I, I can be seen as uh, the black man that's going out and uplifting. They talk about doing another million man march. Guess what? We've seen that in our in our lifetime, and the only other people who have seen that were in the '60s, on coupled with everything else we've seen. So, we could be the men that could essentially make another push and make uh make another change. So I just feel like uh, Jesus has given us so much uh, that we may not we may all look at like all of these things. Uh, some of these things may be negative, but like what can you do to make those things that are negative into a positive? Like, because now I can teach my children, like, look, you thought, you think you about to live through something. Let me tell you everything I lived through. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like we really could be the generation to, to change it all. Aaron, I agree with you 1 million percent, like dead on, like spot on. Talk about a target that was on target. Okay. Um, I, I just want to point out the biggest thing that you said as far as like we're the most educated like uh, generation that's here. We're go-getters. We're going to go and look for something. We have everything literally at our fingertips. It's nothing that I can't look up and figure it out like literally at, at my fingertips as you hold your phone right now, right? So um, we're, we're definitely going to shake up this world and make a change like in all aspects, right? Like you know, this worldly world, right? And then the spiritual world, we are definitely going to make a change. We, we know and we understand the key important things in life. And I'm going to talk slightly off topic, but think about like the financial generational curses that we're going to break. You know what I'm saying? Think of the like social generational curses, racism, all these things that we are going to break all of these curses and turn this world upside down for the better. I do think it is going to be positive. I don't think it is anything in the negative. It is definitely going to happen. And yeah, like dead on, Aaron, I'm with you. Yeah, I, this is this was good. Like I, I genuinely feel like we're 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 going in the right direction, and we've the amount of change that we've seen just from protesting in the last, let's just say, roughly a month, like huh like it's honestly so liberating 
that it's, it's honestly unexplainable. It's, it's honestly so unexplainable. And I just want to encourage people to have those tough conversations, to be the change, be the light, be bold, be brave, like be, be everything above all of that. If you're not already connected in relationship to a church with Jesus, please do so. If, and, I, and I always try to extend this at the end of every episode, but if, if you don't know where to start your faith journey, you don't know how to seek salvation or how to seek or where to begin your relationship with Jesus, please DM me. Um, I, I can help you. I can give you resources to do that. But I think that that's, that's where this all starts. Like we said, um, the world has a heart issue. And the only way to cure a heart issue is through Jesus. It's, to, it's through having a relationship with him. Um, so that's definitely where we're going to start. Do y'all have any like last things y'all want to say? Um, so I'll plug my social media later, but I stand in agreement with Armani. If ever uh, somebody wants to find salvation, uh, learn a little bit more about Jesus, uh, that's kind of what we're called to do. And I feel like that's the bigger purpose of why uh, Millie Walk Talk even stands. So, um, you know, I'll drop my social media and uh, hit me up if ever you want to have conversations. I usually try to have not the uh, normal perspective of uh, regular Christians. I don't consider myself a regular Christian. So, um, yeah, hit me. Yeah, I definitely want to say the same thing. I definitely want to extend my hand to anyone, um, you know, looking to walk with Christ. Um, like Armani said, we can all find the resources. We go to different churches, but, you know, there's, you know, you want to find a home that's uh, suitable for you. Um, so I'll definitely give my Instagram information out as well. Armani, I want to thank you for just having this platform in general. I, I think this is a great start for anyone, right? Like just, just looking to learn more information or just have like some place to, you know, kind of learn and kind of like um, understand like, you know, self-expression as well. So I, I want to thank you because I think this is an amazing thing that you're doing and I'm very proud of you. Like you already know the conversations and things, how I feel about you and your journey overall. So I am so grateful that God has brought you to do this. So I love you much. I love you guys too. If y'all don't, Erin mentioned that we all met at Six Flags, but literally, if you do not know the two of us personally, Treasure was my very first supervisor. Six Flags is my very first job. So I've known Treasure since I was, I don't know, so I'm freaking 16, 17, whatever. Treasure was my first supervisor. And we've always had a really good relationship. So I appreciate both of y'all for coming on. Like I said, when I, when, when God gave me the idea to really touch this topic, y'all the two people that he gave to for me to do the episode with so i'm thankful that y'all chose to to do this with me this was a really good conversation um as always i am going to let them drop their socials and plug themselves but as always um rate share subscribe to the podcast on all um listener platforms apple Podcasts, spotify google stitcher everything wherever you listen to podcasts at we are there um check out our website milliewalktalkpodcast.com IG, Millie Walk Talk Podcast, Twitter, Millie Walk Talk. You can find us anywhere. Always DM me if you're willing, if you're interested in coming on for an episode, whether it's a classic episode like one of these. Um, if you listen to previous episodes, season two came with testimony episodes and um, devotions. So whether you want to just come give us some wisdom or share what God is doing in your life, always hit me up, email me. We're always willing to have people just come and really just use their voice. And I just appreciate y'all for listening. I hope that this episode really 
um, encourages y'all to have those tough conversations and really just to talk about this stuff. Like the change comes when we when we speak about it and we really address these issues. So whether it's in your friend group or at work, you know, like I just said, this work is always a tough place to have these type of conversations, but it's very necessary. People have to, they have to, they, they gotta hear you. They gotta hear you to, to make change, especially if you feel like you work in a in a um in a job that isn't you know it's a little racist-y. And I want to preface this with I know that the the fear and the apprehension may come with oh I don't want to lose my job or I don't want people to look at me differently or I don't want to be discriminated against. But I would erase that worry. Like know that with the mantle of stepping out and speaking out and being bold, God is going to cover you. So don't um just continue to while you're speaking boldly about your racial beliefs, pray and pray really that God covers you in all areas. We know that he, he'll provide no matter what. So don't let the fear of not having a job or people looking at you different stop you from speaking on what it is that needs to be talked about, period. So go ahead and plug yourselves and we'll pray out and we done. You can find me on um, Instagram at, what is it, sauce drip. Uh, that's sauce, like hot sauce, D-R-I-P-P underscore. Um, and I'm going to take a step out on faith. Uh, I'm going to break some fear here. Uh, you can check me on some local stages. I am a uh, aspiring comedian. You can check me out on some local stages around the DMV area. Um, I'm trying to push this to the millions of uh, fans that we have in Millie Walk Talk. Um, that's it. All right, and I am Treasure Corbin. You once again, you can find me on yeah Instagram. Uh, it's T R E Z U R R R R R. That's five R's. So T R E Z U five R's. There I am. Uh, she forgot most her other thing I've ever seen, by the way. And I love your name. Oh, thank you. Screaming. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm going to say it. yes. Uh, you also want to follow me on as Trey speaks. Um, we have, like I said, it's like a live podcast. We do lives on Instagram from time to time. Talk about different um, topics similar to this topic here. Um, so that's Ash A S H Trey T R E speaks. The word speaks. So follow us. Follow me there. Also, if you check out, you know at treasure you know i'll be doing some more uh outreach programs um as well so definitely feel free to volunteer always looking for volunteers um yeah thank y'all i really appreciate it no problem again thank you guys for joining me on this episode we're gonna go ahead and close out in prayer spirit of the living god i just want to say thank you god um you, you really work in miraculous ways and you deserve all the praise and all the honor and all the glory that we can open our mouths to give you, God. Um, just thank you for allowing us to sit here and have the opportunity to just touch and express how we feel on the whole police brutality, Black Lives Matter situation, God. Um, I pray that for every person listening to this, God, you may continue to protect them, recover them, and offer them provision, oh God, to let them know that um, you stand outside of Black Lives Matter, God. You stand outside of time. You stand outside of COVID-19, God. You knew everything that was going to happen before. None of this has caught you by surprise, and you're still in control. You still know everything that's going to happen from here on out, God, in the trip. You you have the ultimate power that, God, when when you speak and at the, the power of your mighty hand, the, the things change and that the world may shift according to how you want it to shift. So, God, I pray that you 
really embedding in the hearts of your people, God, that you do have control. Allow us to not be fearful, worryful, have anxiety around anything that's going on because, because God, you have us, you, you have us covered, you have us in your hand and you'll do what's necessary to, to make change and to protect us and protect us, God. So I just ask that you continue to bless us in ways unimaginable. You give, allow this episode to penetrate the hearts of Black people, our white counterparts, God, to start having those conversations that aren't really easy, but that are necessary, God, and just give us the boldness and the courage to speak out on the things that you have called us to, just to continue to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, God, that we may just be light and be love, like we may embody who you are, God, we may embody the, the presence and the spirit of Jesus, God, that we may walk in truth and walk in your mighty, in the mighty, mighty ways that you have called us to, God. So it's in your precious, precious son, Jesus' name, and I pray, amen. See y'all next week. Rest in peace, George Floyd. Rest in peace, (laughs) Breonna Taylor. Say their names. Say their names. Say their names. Period.